When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Hollywood Behind Closed Doors with Frank McKay on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Our very special guest is Craig Grossi, and he's the uh, he's so many things, but he's the author uh, of a great book, and it's a must-get for everyone, Second Chances, A Marine, His Dog, and Finding Redemption. And uh, he's a Purple Heart recipient. He's, uh, of course, a, a vet. And uh, what a story he's got. And he's doing some wonderful things in the main prison system with service dog program and, and, and working with vets, uh, training them. I, there's, uh, there's nothing bad about this story. I mean, just absolutely uh, heartwarming and, and wonderful. Fred, his, uh, his dear friend and, and dog that he, uh, he went back to get in Afghanistan, uh, just, it's, I'm going to let him tell the story. But Craig, how are you? Hey Frank, uh, we're we're really good. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for for having us on. It's uh, it's great to be with you. And um, yeah, it's it's been an incredible journey that since uh, you know over ten years ago now, I came across Fred on an Afghani battlefield, and um, you know a pretty unlikely place to to meet such a, a special soul. And and uh, he's been leading me on an adventure basically ever since. Yeah, uh, amazing. And and some of the, you know, and again, I, I you know, I, I hear different stories, and you know, I work with some uh, some groups here that um, th- that rescue dogs overseas, and especially with vets and paws of war mm-hmm. and uh, so forth. But they they tell me nightmare stories about how uh, in the Middle East uh, dogs are treated. Sometimes they cut the ears off, whatever. They're uh, they're uh, in, in many cases they're. Uh, they're completely mistreated. Uh, when I see Freddie, looks perfectly intact. Thank God. Um, is yeah. first of all, is that true? Is there a, a is, is there a, um, a a cruelness that happens to to dogs uh, overseas uh, that we don't necessarily see here? And and secondly, is Fred okay? Yeah. Well, yeah. That's great. Great question. And yeah. Uh, first off, Fred. Fred is more than okay. Fred is thriving. Uh, he's a very very happy, very healthy uh, dog, and we, we love living up. Uh, we live now in Maine. Um, for a long time, we lived in the Washington D.C. area. That's where I'm originally from. But uh, life has kind of led us to Maine, and, and he's really uh, embraced embraced the lifestyle up here. And, and so he's doing great. Thanks for asking. And and in terms of just you know the the cruelty, you know, it's I wish I could say that it's um, isolated to the Afghanistan and and in countries um, that are in similar situations, but you know, it, you can find examples of it uh, in our own country of the of cutting ears and and training dogs to fight and mis you know mis kind of mistreating them for the purpose of uh, of cruelty you know uh, or or for you know maybe fighting or something like that. I mean that does happen um, you know here in our own country and throughout the world. Um, I would say for from my experience in Afghanistan, what I saw most was was just kind of uh, neglect. The, the people of Helmand province and specifically Sangin where Fred is from, um, they took very good care of, of their livestock, of their animals that they depend on. Um, but they're, they're, you know, some of the absolutely most poor 
people that I've ever encountered in my life in terms of resources. Um, you know, so they, they can't really take on a, 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 a companion, you know, animal, a pet like that. Um, they're incredibly strong and, and resilient and giving people, um, but they just don't have the, the resources to take care of dogs. So they kind of fall to the side. Yeah. I, before we get get into the book, which uh, we, is just it, absolutely great, uh, just released and getting rave reviews already. Again, Second Chances. Oh, thank you. A Marine, His Dog, and Finding Redemption, everyone. It's a must-get for everyone. But uh, let me just say this. Uh, I was in Africa, and I do a lot of traveling, and I was at, in Africa a couple different spots uh, a few mm. years back, and I remember going into... Uh, stores and looking for pet food and and just couldn't mm. see it you know couldn't find it right and my guide the uh, you know the man i hired to help me uh get around to the safaris and everything else uh he looked at mm -hmm. me like i had two heads when i said uh dog food <laughs> you know he said you know, right. the dog will pick up whatever he finds but uh, do you find that to be the case is there uh, is is there dog food uh you know set over there or is it rare yeah, that's 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 a really interesting uh, experience that you had. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely not. There's no no concept whatsoever of food specifically for dogs uh, in, in a place like Afghanistan. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, they're very much uh, scavengers and, and hunters. You know, kind of have to be on their own. And um, Fred, I we, we would watch Fred. Um, you know, and I think he kind of figured out in the days before we showed up, you know, because we kind of landed on Fred, he, he didn't approach our base or anything like that. We kind of inserted out of helicopters and, and kind of landed on, on Fred. And, uh, I think he figured out a little trick because he's on the smaller side. A lot of the dogs over there were pretty big. Um, and, and uh, I think he figured out if he could handle the heat of the day that he would kind of be uncontested in terms of scavenging and, and wow. looking for food. Um, if he could just be out in the sun, uh, because most of the time, once that sun went down, that's when the dogs really, really became active and they were out uh, hunting and, and scavenging. Wow. Craig, uh, give us a, an overview of the book. Don't spoil it. We want everyone to get it, but uh, give us a, give yeah. us a rundown. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, it in, in a lot of ways picks up uh, where Craig and Fred, my first book leaves off, but in no way is it a, is it a sequel. It kind of just is a natural kind of evolution between the two books and, and it starts with Fred and I back back in our our trusty uh, uh, 1988 Toyota Land Cruiser, and we're headed um, to to Main State Prison, um, and it's the entire book basically takes place inside the prison. Um, but I, I really take the reader on a journey um, that I'm going through as I get to know the men um, within its walls and their stories and the dogs that they're working very very closely with. Uh, and pouring their their entire heart and soul into uh, for the benefit of veterans that uh, that most of them will never will never know will never meet. Yeah, and we've always got to remember that. Uh, look, there are there are hardened criminals, and there are uh, some terrible people in prisons. But there are also vets, and and we have to treat them differently, uh, knowing what they've come back from, and 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 you know we hear the nightmare stories of suicide and PTSD. Um, the the prisoners that are uh, the veteran prisoners cannot be treated the same way that the uh, the hardened uh, lifelong criminals are. And any chance we uh, we get to do this or, or approve this, uh, it's a little payback uh, to them. And I think it's great what you're doing. I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. If you can, uh, anything that you want to add uh, to to this, and uh, before we let you go, give us a website, a social media site where people could follow along with you and Fred. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you can get get the book Second Chances uh, just about anywhere you get books. And uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with 
with Fred and I. It's uh, our website is fredtheafghan.com, and our social media is uh, fredtheafghan on Instagram, Facebook, and, and Twitter. Listen, it's a beautiful story. Congratulations, and thank you for everything that you've done. Uh, I, you know, it, the the Purple Heart is uh, the hardest uh, award ever to get. You know, uh, and just just absolutely amazing. And um, we can never thank you, your colleagues, and everything else uh, that you've done overseas. But what you're doing here is just absolutely great. Uh, Craig Grossi, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Craig Grossi, everyone, his book is called Second Chances, and it's about him rescuing. And, and I mean, this is really a rescue. I mean, going overseas to rescue a dog is, is different. We have two rescues, but we basically went to... Um, uh, you know, went to the shelters to get get them, and we drove a little ways. I mean, he flew back to Afghanistan to uh, to find Fred. And I mentioned Paws of War and Robert Masiri and and um, and and uh, Dory Schofield, uh, the the work that they've done locally here and just nationwide, worldwide. Uh, they've just done some great things. And what they do is they they go overseas and they find dogs. And uh, find dogs that uh, that were companions to uh, folks that were were serving our country, and uh, and they search them out and they find them before they're destroyed or tortured or whatever, and they put them back together. It's as it, heartwarming as you can get, and this is very similar. I'd love to see them all get together, and everyone who's doing that kind of work, uh, you know, first of all, dog lovers will will love this book, and anyone who who appreciates what the veterans do and and have done for us it's uh, uh, you know it's thankless once they get back here it really is and um you know a lot of those folks end up in prison because uh, you know there's mental and emotional problems that uh, that come along and and unfortunately unfortunately it um it's it's not an easy world to come back into once you've seen the the horrors of war and it again i'm just going off of their words i've never fortunately have never seen them seen the, uh, the the tortures and the horrors out there but uh, it, you know to treat uh, the prisoners all the same to treat hardened criminals that are just uh, you know killers and rapists and murderers uh, to group them all together with veterans who came over here and made a mistake or some kind of robbery or some kind of um, you know crime of passion I don't know we just have to have a different view of uh, of the folks when they get here and, and realize that uh, that they've seen things that no human being should see and they dealt uh, have dealt with it. So, uh, you know, my heart goes out to this guy. First time I'm talking to him and hopefully we'll get him back for a longer period of time. His book just came out. Please get it. Second Chances, A Marine, His Dog, and Finding Redemption. It's about Craig Grossi and Fred, uh, the, the dog he found over there. And again, a real rescue dog. And he's doing all kinds of great work in the main prison system with his um, with his fellow vets that have been incarcerated over there and again purple heart recipient uh, georgetown graduate craig grossi has been our very special guest here with medal of honor recipient david bellavia what an incredible career this man had we own and him and his colleagues and and all the men and women who uh, wore the uniforms 
uh, for our armed forces, especially now around this day, uh, more than ever. But every every time they come back and they take off that uniform, somehow we forget about them, and and it's just terrible. But David Bellavia has written a great book, and it's just out. And you've got to get two copies of this book, everyone, uh, one for yourself and then one for someone you love in the armed forces. Uh, we're a military family, and uh, this this man's won the Silver Star, the Bronze Star, uh, every award you could possibly think of. And the name of his book is Remember the Ramrods, My Army Brotherhood in War and at Peace. David Bellavia, how are you? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, well, listen, I uh, honored to talk to someone with uh, uh, with with your courage and and your uh, your your belief and in, in your friends uh, that were there with you, and and so many people take that home with them. But like I said, somehow we forget about all of you. Uh, once uh, you take off that uniform, and I think we have to pay attention uh, to the folks once they get back and they're not serving anymore. Uh, would you just comment on, on that a little bit before we get into the book? Yeah, no, I think that was a, it's a brilliant observation. I think the most tragic part of where we are is that the veteran forgets who they are. It's one thing for society to not recognize the first responder, the fireman, uh, the the cop, the EMT, the the folks out there doing things for us every single day, but you can't forget who you are. And the problem that we have when we come back in the civilian world is that we put the war in a lockbox, we put it in a time capsule. It's behind us. We think we peaked in our twenties. Everything else is cruise control. Nothing will be a moment of just black and white, good versus evil. Nothing will ever. I'll never find my purpose in this world again. I'm just a soccer coach. I'm just a dad. I'm just working a job at a plant. That's all I do. And we forget what we are and what we represent as a generation. Because I'll tell you what, the great part about our military is that if you get through me, you got about four and a half million people behind me that are tougher, smarter, faster, and can think better. There are waves and waves of Americans that are ready to do whatever it takes to tell China, Russia, Iran, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, you name it. There are, hey, here's the message. If you want to raise a kid and they want to do what their dads did and fight against the United States of America, tell your kid to go to dental school because it's going to end horribly like it did for your old man. You can't win against us. Our allies need to know that that's real. Our adversaries need to fear what happens when they intimidate or threaten American lives. Our military is that tip of the spear. And just because we're older or we're out of uniform, that doesn't mean we stop serving. Our real service starts when we come home in our communities and realize that let's now use this to heal, let's grow our culture, let's grow our society, and let's remind people that we can disagree, we can have differences of opinion, but we can't lose the focus of who we are. We're still the shining city on the hill. Yeah, amazing. Just beautifully said, and I just I can't wait to read my copy of Remember the Ramrods. Can you can you give us a, an overview? And again, you you feature your your brotherhood uh, in there, your army brother, brotherhood. Uh, give us a little uh, little overview, if you don't mind. Yeah, so 18 years ago, uh, around this time uh, in 2004, was the Battle of Fallujah. And it was a, a generational fight. It was our generation's Normandy Beach landing. You had the Marines and sailors. You don't get to work with Marines. Uh, soldiers do their own thing in the Army. 
Marines are over here, sailors are over there, airmen are in their own little base. This was a set play with the entire generation, entire military on one side, and every global all-star Islamist you know, team on the other. Guys from Chechnya and the Philippines, Italy, Europe, Syria, you name it, Iran. They were all in that city. Men, uh, women and children were gone. They had months to build up. And they said, like they tested our World War II generation, you're not going to jump from pillbox to pillbox in, in, the, in the Pacific. You're not going to face the Third Reich in Europe. Vietnam doesn't have the intestinal fortitude to push communist Chinese out of South Vietnam. They tested our generation and said, all you guys are is lasers and thermals and drones. You're not going to kick down doors and get in our face. Well, guess what? We stole their lunch. We lost a lot. We sacrificed a lot. But we cleared that city out, and we faced a, a close-quarter battle, which is, look, I don't care if you're the Marvel Avengers or you're the SEAL Team 6. I put a machine gun behind a door. Someone's getting shot. And the way that you have to combat that, it's physical. It's psychological, but it's also spiritual. And when you survive that, you realize that there's nothing about your DNA that survived that. What made There's not a college plan or a dental insurance that makes you kick down a door or clear a road of IEDs. You do it because you fight because you love. We don't hate the enemy. We love each other. We love our country. We love our communities. We fight for each other. So when one person gets an award, it's got to be an award about the entire unit. It's got to be something about all of us together. And that's what we made the Medal of Honor. We made the Medal of Honor about each other, the ramrod. It's a, it's a unit award, and all my guys shared it. But more importantly, we came back into each other's lives again. Very, very gracious of uh, of you, and and uh, and like you said, it's a it's a connection, and you can't be more of a team player than than what you are talking about right here. I, what is it about the the men and women that you met along the way that uh, that you think prepares them for? And I mean, beyond the army, there has to be a certain toughness that you have in it. And I, you, I don't think the army or anybody is is taking taking somebody who just doesn't belong and creating something out of nothing. Something has to be there in the first place to to uh, allow you to to have that mentality and that strength and that courage. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, it's it's the weirdest collection of you know. Some of us had great parents. Some of us had wealthy parents. Some of us didn't even know who their dads were. Some of us, you know, grew up in inner city, communal, rural areas, uh, suburbs, you name it. The thing that's so different about military people and civilians is that trust is earned on day one. Trust is more important than like. As a civilian, you go on a date, you like someone, and you build up trust. You get a relationship with someone. Can I trust them? Financial advisors, you name it. I have to trust you, but I like you. I'm going to earn trust down the road. In the military, some of us, we still don't like each other, right? yeah. but we trust each other, and we and that's on day one. And when you can take someone from the inner city or the suburbs or the rural areas of America and say, listen, you're, all I need is you willing, are you willing to be there with me? I can teach you how to shoot. I can teach you how to move and communicate. I can't teach you how to want to be there with me. And if you can... Get a, a young man or a young woman who wants to be there, 
everything else is academic because it, it now comes down to a position where, you know, you have people that want to be in the fight. And I think the biggest tragedy is that for 14 years, I thought I missed it. I thought I missed being shot at. I thought I missed the adrenaline. And what I missed was the sense of purpose. I missed not the fight. I missed being needed in the fight. And what I think this, what my brotherhood ramrods have done in my life is remind me that I didn't miss the war. I missed the people. I miss the relationships. I miss the sense of purpose and direction. And that's what we need to remind veterans of every single day. Your service didn't start until you came home. Now I need you to serve. I need you to remind young people America is still worthy of this sacrifice. I need you to remind people that no matter what happens on Election Day, who's in the White House, who has the House, the Senate, or the federal bench, America is not going to die on our watch. America is strong enough to push away the ignorant. America is strong enough to educate people, to remind them of who we really are. And America must always be ready because everyone on the other side of this wall wants to take us down. And it's our men and women that prevent, you know, that, that prevent that. They're, they're our, our security blanket. David, I, I, I can't thank you enough. I don't think there's any possible way to thank you and your brotherhood uh, for what you've done and what uh, what you continue to do and to speak about it. The book is Remember the Ramrods, My Army, Brotherhood in War and at Peace. Uh, David, do you have a social media site, a website where we could follow along with what you're doing? You know, I, I don't do the social media thing. The, the, uh, they got D, at Twitter is at DG Bellavia. Uh, Instagram, Facebook is just David Bellavia. But for the most part, uh, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I don't want it to be about me. You know, I, I want it to be about go, go follow a veteran, go follow a unit, uh, go out there and be a force, a, a change in your own community. Uh, remember, if the Medal of Honor story is something you think is really cool, I'm humbled by that and that's awesome. But the book is about what my life is dedicated to. Remember the team. Remember the organization. Remember the cause. When we remember the fallen, you can't forget why they died. Don't forget how they died. Don't forget why they died. Remember that that was a sacrifice that was made knowingly so that we can live in comfort and in peace. It's the most beautiful thing to be associated with, and that is my social media. David Bellavia, thank you once again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. David Bellavia and uh, and all the ramrods, uh, we you know possibly extend our thanks to them anymore. Um, I mean, these are guys that uh, uh, you know, just guys and gals, I should say, the people who uh, who just uh, laid it on the line. Uh, the Battle of Fallujah was uh, it was vicious and uh, and ugly and uh, just uh, amazing. I know people who were in Fallujah at that time. Uh, of the battle. He's right. It's the Battle of the Bulge uh, for that generation. Um, Frank McKay here urging everyone, uh, Medal of Honor recipient, Silver Star and Bronze uh, Medal winner, and uh, very, very kind of him to share that with all of his uh, his brotherhood. He's uh, a team player, as you can imagine. David Bellavia is the author of Remember the Ramrods, My Army Brotherhood in War and Peace. Here with just one of those people that uh, that always 
is doing something and always doing something significant. His podcast is just terrific. Jocko podcast uh, is just wonderful, but we'll never be able to thank him and and the others who served in in the military. He is a uh, he's a former Navy SEAL. Twenty years, twenty years, uh, culminating as the commander of Task Force Bruiser, which was the most decorated special force uh, unit in the Iraq War. And what uh, what a career! He's had on uh, on uh, or in the military and out of the military. Echelon Front is uh, is the company that he co-founded, and it's a multi-million dollar success. Uh, absolutely amazing career. His latest, and by the way, best-selling author. His books are great. I got three of them. He's absolutely terrific. Final Spin is his latest, and it's a novel, but it's uh, it's a must-get. I urge everyone to get two. Christmas coming up, one for yourself and one for a present for somebody. They'll get it. Jocko Willink, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Frank. Thanks for having me. Listen, uh, thrilled to have you. This is a little different. Uh, the uh, the the trip into uh, the world of novels uh, is interesting, and uh, let let me know how that uh, how that plays with you. Was it a uh, was it a big transition? Was it easy? Was it smooth? You know. Everyone obviously knows that I was a veteran. I spent 20 years in the military, but, but that's not all I've done in my life. And there, I had a lot of experiences in my life that were outside the military, especially before I joined the military. And so those were some pretty interesting characters that I knew and hung out with. And the, so that's what this book really starts to detail. Some of the things, some of the things that I see in America and some of the things that I saw when I was in the military, but not from a military perspective. We're living in such a visual world and a visual times. Is it impossible to write a book like this without thinking about it on screen? I would say there's some of that, but even in the way that I wrote the book, I was very, I was very, uh, I paid a lot of attention to the way the book is laid out and the way the, the font that is used and the, the structure of the paragraphs. And it's, it's not a normal looking book. It in some areas looks more like a poem than a book. So I tried to do that because I think the visual is important, but I don't think the visual necessarily has to mean the big screen. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I can't wait to, uh, to read it. And it's just uh, uh, it just looks absolutely terrific. And it sounds like something that should be uh, headed for the screen. It just sounds fascinating. Uh, you kind of have to go back. In your mind, when you, I, and again, I'm assuming I've never written a novel, uh, but I, I have to believe you go back in your memory, go back to your earlier experiences. And in some ways, you almost have to block out everything that happened since. And everything that, you know, I mean, I, I look at you on paper and I'm, I'm exhausted. It, it just seems like every, you're constantly moving, you're constantly moving forward. This is kind of jumping back now. This is kind of reminiscing uh, if you're going to write about people that you met growing up and, and you know, a young Jocko. Uh, am I hitting that on the head or is that, uh, is that too much? Yeah, I'd say that's, that's accurate, except for the fact that now I look back and I can kind of reflect from a different angle on what the, the kind of people that I, that I met growing up. And one of the characters in this book is based on when I was a kid, I worked at a Wendy's. Yeah. You think wow. I'm getting a lot done now? Well, I used to got a lot, get a lot done on the, uh, on the fryer. <laughs> and so I worked at Wendy's and the woman that was in charge of the salad bar back when Wendy's had salad bars, she was a woman that had some, she was uh, mildly autistic and she was totally passionate about one thing in life, and that was the salad bar, keeping that salad bar clean and keeping it squared away. And believe it or not, 
She was very, very happy. She loved that salad bar. She loved to talk about the salad bar. She loved to show me the salad bar. And so I, I've always thought about that. It was very interesting to me because she actually seemed in many ways happier than I was. And it seemed to me at the time she was happier than I ever would be. So as I grew up, I always remembered that woman. Her name was Jean. And one of the characters in this book named Artie is based on based on that personality. You know, I, I think that's fascinating that you, you go back to it. I think people who know you and know your leadership books kind of see you as larger than life. And you don't portray yourself as larger than life, but you just, you you know, we know your history at this point. And anybody that listens to the Jocko podcast uh, it will will get it. And, and, you know, you've been through so much uh, in, in the big picture. But the fact that you can kind of go back... And that you've been in in regular jobs, so to speak, and Wendy's and working with Wendy's and working with folks like this, like this young lady who was working the the salad bar, and and it was, she was so meticulous about it. I, honestly, I think it's uh, it shows a whole different side to you, and it's uh, that uh, in itself is uh, is is very interesting. I, what did you learn? I I don't mean just Wendy's, but what did you learn about people that applied to you later on, and even in uh, you know, when you were working at Wendy's and you're working at different jobs like this, uh, what do you think stuck with you throughout the, the SEALs, the military, and, and also with the leadership books? And uh, is there something that, that stands out as a as a constant, as an absolute? Well, let me tell you something that, that definitely stands out as an absolute. You know, you hear about the SEAL training and how hard the SEAL training is, and, and quite frankly, about 80% of the people that enter SEAL training, they quit. Well, when I was looking at my previous life working at Wendy's, there was no way I was going to quit that trading. <laughs> I wanted to make it through that trading because I never wanted to go back to uh, putting hamburgers on the on the grill there at Wendy's. So that's a good motivating factor. But in quite and honestly and, and seriously, just the humility of having been out there in the workforce, know what normal people are going through every day, knowing what what I, what I would likely be doing if I wasn't doing something that I really needed to chased after and that was being the SEAL team so that definitely stuck with me but look when I got to the SEAL teams I was so happy my first job when I got to the SEAL teams was cleaning toilets and believe me I did the best possible job I did because could because even that job right there I, I knew that I was at the SEAL teams I was where I wanted to be and and that was a lot better than wearing the uh wearing the light blue Wendy's uh polo shirt and visor which is what I was wearing there Wow. I, a final word on final spin. Everyone's got to got to get this. Jocko will be talking about it as we let you go. Um, uh, a, without spoiling, uh, an overall message from final spin. Yes. It, happiness is what we're after. And one of the best ways to find happiness is by helping other people. Uh, Jocko, a website or a social media site where people could follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, I'm at Jocko Willink on all the different on all the different social media. And then Jocko.com is a pretty good, easy way to catch up with all the stuff I got going on. Uh, final spin is upon us. Jocko, we'll all be getting it. Thank you very much. Congrats on everything. But a uh, final spin for sure. We'll talk to you real soon, Jocko. Thanks for having me. Jocko Willink, everyone. Uh, really, uh, in a an unbelievable character and uh, unbelievable that character sounds sounds like the wrong word but yeah i mean uh, just an unbelievable individual and uh, again you know usually usually you hear about uh seals and 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 folks and they come out of the military and you know a lot of them write books a lot of them you know there's a select few i guess who, who write the books and and they're always 
you know, well thought out, always big on leadership and, uh, and, and insight. But, you know, there's a, you know, there's a gentleness to, to Jocko. And you heard that when he t- spoke about the woman who had, uh, had, I guess, uh, you know, borderline autism or, or she was on the spectrum. And he, you know, he spoke about how uh, she was so meticulous about the salad bar at Wendy's and, yeah, Wendy's used to have a salad bar for for folks that are real real young and and don't remember Wendy's having a salad bar. They used to have a salad bar. It was, uh, you know, the only fast food place, uh, you know, of its kind. You know, like the McDonald's and the Burger Kings that had a a salad bar when salad bars were a big deal. And, you know, of course, Pizza Huts and and Stuckies and and not not Stuckies, but uh, Shoney's and uh, you know different places like that. And Denny's, I think, you know. Sizzler, things like that had salad bars, but yeah, Wendy's too. But he speaks about the the young lady being so meticulous uh, about this, and and he kind of drew on on her for the character. And again, that shows some some sensitivity and some uh, you know you know real insight into into others. And and you might not think of it. Keep in mind. Keep in mind, he was the commander of Task Force Bruiser, right? It's Task Force Bruiser. And, uh, you know, a bunch, he was heading out a bunch of Navy SEALs. And they were the most decorated special force unit in the Iraq War. And you can imagine what they saw and what they did and how they came about and and got through that, you know, to, to sit down, write a novel after all of these, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, really frank education books and self-help books, leadership books, which are, they're all terrific. He's a, he's a best-selling author. His podcast is terrific. Uh, Jocko Willink, uh, his podcast is Jocko Podcast. Uh, it just, I, I can't say enough about the guy. I mean, we've had him on before, a couple times before, and and he's the co-founder of Echelon Front, which is a which is an organization. It's a well, it's a, you know business that has made millions and millions of dollars. It's like everything he does turns out to be a success. I'm sure his his novel is excellent. I haven't read it. I will. It's always hard to get time to 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 read everything, but I'll I'll read it because it's Jocko Willink and uh, he's absolutely terrific. Check out his podcast. Check out his sites. Uh, can't say enough about him and, and the other Navy SEALs out and all the all the military folks out there. We'll never be able to thank you for what you all do for us, men and women out there serving the country. And Jocko Willink is uh, is one of those 20 years, 20 years of military service, former Navy SEAL and Jocko Willink. His book is Final Spin. Please get it. Frank McKay signing off. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.